Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning, morning everyone. Uh, just watch me while I try to sort this out. Uh, it's quite a monumentous moment for the church, monumental moment for the church. Uh, we're celebrating our fourth anniversary and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> found it, found a space and uh, it's been beautiful, it's been beautiful. Uh, Viv and I, we've been uh, crying a lot this week, just remembering uh, just what the kind of the seed that God put inside of our hearts for for something that he wanted to to do in in London and we we've said for a long time that we're just a tiny thread in the big tapestry of what God's doing across London but we're a thread but we're we're part of we're part of God's God's plan and purposes to extend and build his kingdom across across London and uh, um as a West Ham fan, I'll call my thread a claret thread. It's a kind of a purple weave, um, but it's been beautiful. We, we've loved just the extraordinary wave that, that God has been, that we've been riding on. And it's been a bit of a, if I think about analogy, it's like a roller coaster ride meeting surfing. So we're kind of hanging on for dear life, but we're enjoying the ride. We're, we're enjoying the, we're enjoying the surf. And, um, uh, some of the things, the peripheral things of the church are fantastic. Seeing and seeing our second site launched in in January, seeing some of the stuff, and we've had to change our name. And you know, we've got great pastries and great coffee, and um, some of the stuffs are good, but it's the stories. And uh, so Viv and I have just been reflecting and just telling each other stories and stories of miracle babies that have been born here because of the prayers that, that have been prayed here. Um, marriages that have been uh, transformed. Uh, this, this week we, we met with a couple who uh, I've done marriage counseling uh, for, quite, for many years in prisons and all, all over the place with, with couples in, uh, who are uh, affected by prison. And so I've seen everything that a, that a couple can go through. And uh, I was with, we've been supporting a couple recently. And uh, uh, if I'm honest, I'd given up. And, I, and the, what they're going through at the moment, I've, I've gone there. They're given up and he's given up and she's given up. And we met with them this Wednesday, this Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, just with tears in their eyes, they said, God's done a miracle. This, this miracle God has, has, done a, has done an absolute miracle in their marriage. And uh, so I'm shocked. Like, uh, I mean, I'm the pastor and I should be like, yeah, this is normal. Like the miracle making God is changing marriage. But I was shocked. I was like, wow. And she had tears in her eyes. I had tears in my eyes. Viv and a uh, and, uh, partner had tears in her eyes. Just seeing what God, what God can do uh, if he's allowed to do. And it's been beautiful. It's been really, really beautiful. And as our uh, church has grown, so has our vision. We started off with a vision just to bring life. And could we, could we be a church for the community? And we've, we started off with that vision. And over the years, God has just 
blessed what he's what he's doing and the vision that he's got but also then expanding our vision and so we've got a whole bunch of midweek groups that meet uh, across south london southwest london and uh, and so we've we've just been feeling for a long time that god wants us to uh, just to increase and deepen the vision of those uh, smaller groups and so we we've changed our name we we call them connect groups we now call them life groups but it describes some of the vision i just realized i'm standing in front of everyone looking at the screen i'm just going to walk around all all, e- all morning uh, it just describes where, where we're coming from. And so we, we believe that God has called us to create a whole bunch of groups that have these three aims, really, to experience the dynamic presence of God, to be pursuers and followers of Jesus, and to help us to form a relationship with Jesus, spiritual formation. And secondly, that these groups are there to, uh, to have a purpose in bringing life to, to our communities. And so, uh, and so we've got a whole bunch of small groups, life groups happening. Uh, and so you can, at the end of the service today, by the Connect area, you can, there'll be some people there to help you. If you want to join, join one of our groups, and um, we've got fantastic leaders in our community who are going to help us um, in those smaller environments with the presence of God to pursue Jesus. And do you know we can actually do what Jesus did? We can, we can actually do that. He calls us to go, and we can actually do that. And so we think our, our smaller communities of sort of 8 to 14 people are a great place where, where all of that can happen. And so, uh, so we're really excited. So do, do sign up. Do join in. And um, I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> um, I, if you were here last week, Viv spoke... Uh, beautifully from from some of the responses just about this theme of beauty from ashes and from the ashes uh, God can restore us and so we Viv and I we're we're gonna we're gonna sort of tag team so Viv uh, she's in Balaam preaching uh, what she spoke this week uh, just to kind of piggyback what I spoke at Balaam last week and so uh, this is the third time I've, I've shared this message and the first time, I, the message was okay. Second time when I did it, yeah, it was pretty good. And I'm really excited about this time. <laughs> By the time we have six sites, though, that sixth sermon is just gonna, it's gonna be nailed. <laughs> um, but we uh, we want to talk about some of our our vision and our values in, in Isaiah 61, and particularly with reference to beauty from ashes and how God do, does that and so um, let's read let's read that uh, read that scripture together Isaiah 61 we're going to just hone in on the first uh, the the last verse uh, which is verse 3 in, in that section uh, we spend a lot of time talking about the first part the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us we're going to land on on verse 3 And it just says this in the uh, New International Version. Our God has sent me to comfort all all who are sad. He wants me to help those in Zion who are filled with sorrow. And this is God's promise. I will put beautiful crowns on their head in place of ashes. I will anoint them with olive oil to give them joy. From next slide, maybe. Is there a next slide? Instead of sorrow. 
uh, I will give them a spirit of praise instead of spirit of sadness. They will be like oak trees that are strong and straight. The Lord himself will plant them in the land. That will show how glorious he is. Uh, just yesterday when I was thinking about, sometimes when I'm preparing a talk, I, I think about who is the one person that needs to hear this, hear this message. And like yesterday, last night, yesterday afternoon, and this morning, I, I just thought about one person. And so I'm going to speak, but it's just for one person here maybe. It may be, maybe for all of us, but there's just, one, just for one person who needs to hear this message, that, that God, he brings beauty from ashes. He brings, um, instead of the spirit of sadness, he brings joy. And I really believe that there may be one person, a few people here, that, that God, God just wants to say he knows you, he loves you, he's for you, and he wants to help you in your moment of, of sadness and maybe death as well. So we're going to talk about that later. Um, traditionally, if we talk about vision, we're meant, to, we're meant to talk like grandiose and be excited and, you know, G and bring, bring some hype. Uh, today I'm going to talk about death, so it's kind of like a an antithesis of of really what I you know the church planting strategies. They say you know go hype, go big, bring vision. I just feel like God wants us to talk about death. So um, forgive me, forgive me. Um, but during but this this whole phrase, God bringing beauty for ashes, it can be really difficult for us to understand. And what we want to do is get some historical background and some context to this whole beauty for ashes. Uh, so this, let's talk about the ashes. First of all, it was import, it's important to understand the significance of the ashes in biblical culture. In, in these times, it was customary for people to sit in ashes, to just sit in ashes or to cover themselves with ashes to express some kind of mourning or loss. It might be they did that such as a, a grief over a, a distressing situation. So we have this story in, in the Old Testament of Tamar and she's, been, she's just been raped. She's just been kicked out of her family by her brother and she, she's, I'm in such distress and she covers herself with, with ashes. Other times where there's a natural disaster and, uh, sorry, national disaster, like in, in the book of Esther in, in the Old Testament, where a whole army is wiped out in one go. And so there's the, as a nation, they're grieving, and so they sit and they cover themselves in ashes. Uh, I, I was thinking just as ourselves, as a nation, as Great Britain and the UK and Ireland, just there, there's something grieving. Again, I'm not going to talk politics ever in, uh, in our, our church, but there, there's something about a grieving that's happening in our nation about what's going on. It's like where the last three years, four years, just there's a kind of a national mourning about a loss or a grief or what's going to happen or the injustice or the confusion about all the difficult, all the different political mind games that have been played. Uh, and I was thinking about ashes as well, and there's grief often in the Bible, where there's grief, grief associated with repentance. And so uh, we have the story of Jonah. He goes into Nineveh, and he declares, like, repent, repent, repent. And so the king stands up, he gathers the people, and they, they cover themselves in ashes and sackcloths as a sign of repentance. 
Ashes, therefore, for us are always associated with pain, with loss, with suffering, with death, with mourning. And so it's, it's interesting to understand that context for us. And I was thinking for us, it might be that, as I said about that, our nation, it might be that you've just broken up with someone. And then there's a, there's a sense of loss and pain and, and what happened and what you did and just, just feeling that sense of loss. It might be there's a strain in your family relationship where, where over years you've tried, to, you've tried to build bridges, but you're just feeling this sense of loss and ashes. Um, many of us here, it's just a given that we're all going to experience levels of pain and grief and anxiety. It's just a given. Uh, but when it comes to repentance, Isaiah mentioned that, uh, reminded God's people many, many times in the beginning of Isaiah that it was their stuff, their sin, their things that they were doing against a holy God that kept them in their pain, kept them in their ashes. Um, and almost like their, their stuff, their sin, forced God's hand in allowing their pain. Uh, I don't know about you, when you if, if you've done stuff, you've got some habits, you've got some rituals, some things that you've just done over and over and over again, and you're like, why, not, why aren't I free? Why isn't God, allow, God, God bringing me my freedom? Um, sometimes our stuff is keeping us in our pain and in our, in our suffering. The beauty of Isaiah, as we go into the second half of Isaiah, he, he reminds God's people uh, that God's merciful. His anger doesn't last forever. He had this, God had this future blessing planned for, for the people of God. And so these words of comfort that we find here in Isaiah are these promises that God has. It, God has for you and I in the midst of whatever circumstances you're going through. Um, we've got a wood burner at home and we put logs and coal and uh, every time I have to clear the ashes whenever you burn something it's always, there's always ashes that are left and, and I was thinking ashes are like our past if I could, what's the summary of ashes? it's like our past uh, we've all messed up we've all had things said, done uh, to us feels like we're being abandoned or, abandoned or abused uh, some of us here, at some point, or even now, feel like your life is just in a, a big pile of mess, big pile of ashes. The Bible here refers to the ashes that God gives, the, sorry, the beauty that God gives for ashes. Um, uh, are, are when Christ has come and he's died for us. Christ has come and died for us. And he, of course he wants us to have a good life, to enjoy uh, a life, to have peace, to be bearing fruit for him. Uh, but sometimes we think, well, why hasn't God taken away my stuff? Why hasn't God taken away, you know, I want a good and happy life. Um, uh, let me just say, Christ died not so that we could just be miserable on earth. He, Christ died not so that we could just get a free ticket to eternity. Christ died so that you could actually enjoy the journey of, of from ashes to beauty. You could actually enjoy the, the beauty. Uh, there's a lot to it, and I know it sounds a bit simple. Let me just say this. I had this one phrase which has been just bouncing around in my head for, for a couple of months now. 
You can't keep the ashes and get the beauty. You can't, you can't keep the ashes and get the beauty. Uh, my own story is, is that, that I've, just, uh, I've got a whole pile of stuff in my past. I've got a father who, who basically abandoned me. I've never met my dad. I went to South Africa. He died in January. I went to South Africa just to say goodbye to a, a person that I never knew. Uh, and I've got all this stuff about my dad and what he, how he's abandoned me in my past. I've got some hurts and some curses of, of what people have said to me. I've got some really painful things of what people have done to me. And the temptation for me, and I, what I used to do, I don't know if maybe there's one other person like this. I, I used to sit around and just feel sorry for myself. And I'll, I'll say to Viv, I just let me, let me just focus on this stuff because I just want to sit around and feel sorry for myself. Viv's a trained life coach and she's constantly wanting to help me to my future. And I'm like, don't coach me. Just allow me just to wallow. Uh, I, I used to have a tendency to feel sorry for myself. Oh, I've been treated this way. You don't understand that what that person said to me was so painful. And then this, this last couple of years, and particularly this year, um, I... <sighs> That the, every problem that I had because of what's done to me, God has been provoking me in my thinking. And so God put this thought in me at the beginning of the year, if I gave up those ashes but I, and I wanted to have his beauty, I have to feel, stop feeling sorry for myself. And, and I have to stop blaming others for the way I am. And I recently, I, so I've done a lot of reading and a lot of thinking about this, and I, I heard this great statement um, uh, and I think it's very good in order for us to, uh, to be thinking about. So if we want to be healed or we want to be whole, the first step is to take 100% responsibility for your life. I'm responsible for the way I am now. I'm taking 100% responsibility. Even though there's so many things that I struggle with, so many things that have happened to me, I can't let that be an excuse to remain that way. And so that's what it means to me to have beauty for ashes. I can't keep the ashes and get the beauty. I've got to let, go, let that go. Um, let me just say this about Jesus. When he saves you, many of us have been, uh, many of us have been surrounded by a community of grace and a community of mercy and a community of peace. Many of us have just used to Jesus' saving power. Let me just say this. For some of us who haven't been used to that, when Jesus saves you, he does it all at once. He doesn't, he doesn't put you on a 25-year mortgage plan. He doesn't go, great, you're in now. I need this, 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 this over the next 25, 30 years. Salvation is not a mortgage. Uh, we grow, I, I want to propose, we grow and mature through meeting Jesus in our pain. It's the best way. Because we're all going to get wounded. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how much privilege you've come from, how educated you are, how many TED Talks you've watched, how many podcasts you listen to, how good your life coach is. 
what your Enneagram number is, what your strengths find a Myers-Briggs is, whatever. I'm an Enneagram one, by the way, if anyone's interested. All of that is great, <laughs> but you and I are gonna get wounded. It's inevitable. Life can be really painful. Let me just say this, it's the pain of our wound that has the greatest potential to grow uh, and mature into Christ-likeness. It's through, I, I, I wanna propose, it's through pain that we, we become more like Christ. Uh, nobody has ever told me that their inner man or Christ-likeness uh, has been changed through pleasure. No one's, ever, no one's ever told me that. Lots of people have said, though, pain um, has been. No one's, ever, no one's ever come back from a holiday and said, do you know what, I've just found the key to a transformed life. Margaritas. <laughs> Sangrias on Barcelona Beach. Maybe. Um, no one's ever gone, do you know what, Steve? Now that I'm rich, it's been the turning point of, of Christ-likeness in me because I've, I'm now more compassionate. Um, it's through pain that you become more like Christ. And it's, and it's allowing God to meet you in your pain and in your pit that you become more Christ-like. Over the last... Um, last years, my studies of the scriptures, my looking at great women and men in, in the Bible, and just as I listen to and pray for and talk to people, uh, there is a pattern of pain that produces Christ-likeness. It's not the pattern of pleasure, it's the pattern of, of pain. You see, when Jesus comes in, he comes all the way in. Did you know that? And for those of us who've received his grace already, I want to tell you something really amazing. And I tried last week to get the, the Balaam site at the edge of their seats because it, it was amazing to me when I was thinking about this. And I, was, I just imagined you all just sitting at the edge of the seat. At, what is it? What is it? What is this amazing truth? You will never be more forgiven than you are right now. You'll never be more loved than you are right now. You see, when, when Jesus forgives, he forgives you completely, immediately, fully, without qualification. He forgives you completely. There's no corner of your heart that he didn't see when he came in. He didn't kind of move into Guy and go, I'm moving into every part of your heart. And then he said, oh, I didn't realize that bit. <laughs> When, when Jesus comes in, he comes all the way in and, he's, and he knows your heart and he comes fully, fully in. When I was thinking about that, I was like, that was, that was amazing. You'll never be more forgiven right now, right? Never be more forgiven. But there's a difference between forgiveness and freedom. Forgiveness happens all at once. Freedom, and I'm really sorry to say, my experience is it happens in incremental little by little by little by little. It's so unnoticeable that you don't realize it's happening. Uh, this is for everyone. There's not many people in their 40s here, but this is everyone in their 40s. Um, 
who thought they would be smarter than they are right now. <laughs> Everyone in their 30s that thought, I thought I'd have this sorted by now. Everyone in their 20s where everything's black and white and um, life, was life was simple in, in the 20s. Um, uh, my, my pattern has been, in my 20s, it was black and white. I knew everything about everything, and why don't they just do it like this and this? In my 30s, that's when it gets a bit confusing, and pain happens, and relationships, and, and 40s, I just think everything's a bit grey. Every, there's no, like... <laughs> there's, no, there's no black and white anymore. Um, in order to bring forth... Uh, the beauty of God, there has to be some suffering. In order to bring the sweetness, there has to be suffering. To bring about the beauty of the flame, something must go to ashes. I want to propose blessings come from suffering. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote, wrote this great, great quote, quote about pain. He wrote a lot about pain and suffering, and he says this. Um, when we can, sorry, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure. He speaks to our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. There's something in Jesus' eyes when he sees you in pain or in the pit where he's, he's excited and he comes in. He's ready to come in. God is shouting. God is, you have his attention in pain. And the joy and beauty of pain is that we get to see a different side of our God that we don't experience when we're not in it. You, uh, when I said earlier about you can't keep the ashes and get the beauty. I want to just take it to another, another step, really. I want to say you can't have beauty. I want to propose you can't have beauty without ashes. I, my experience, my reading of scriptures has, has shown me, and I, I'm guessing, but you can't have beauty without ashes. The most brilliant leaders that I see, the most brilliant individuals, have all gone through pain. And suffering. Uh, uh, I, I remember someone told me in my 20s when I was all black and white, he said, Steve, um, before God's going to make you, he's going to have to break you. So I, was, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But 20 years later, I, oh yeah, I get it. I get it now. In our 20s, Viv and I decided, oh, we could church plant. You know, 24-year-olds, we could church plant. We could do this. I'm so grateful to God that he stopped us from doing that 20 years ago. So I, d I didn't know anything uh, in my 20s. Um, I was thinking about just some images to describe this in terms of pain producing beauty, ashes producing suffering. It's like, gi it's like taking a giant honeycomb, crunchy honeycomb, and squeezing it. It's going to be painful, but what comes out? Honey, the juice, the good stuff. Or it's like when Moses in, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, he strikes the rock. The, so the rock received this blow, but what comes out? The, uh, the scripture said this gushing water. You and I, our hearts of stone, our cold, dead hearts, sometimes God, God has to strike you 
for, for the water to come out. Sometimes God has to get our attention in order for streams of living water to come out to refresh you. It's like, uh, I was thinking it's just something a bit, a bit different. It's like a beautiful flower that's pressed and crushed. But out, out of it comes perfume, the juice out of it. If you crush a flower harder and harder, out of it comes this uh, preciousness. Um, I was walking a couple of weeks ago and I just saw these birds just singing, just singing away. And that music from that bird, I was looking at this bird, I don't know what kind of bird it was, but it, it looked like its throat was straining. It was like, it was hard. I was like, ah, you shouldn't do that to your voice. Any, any voice coaches, you shouldn't do that. But out of it came this beautiful sound. You and I can never experience light unless we've been in dark. We can't appreciate health unless we've been sick. We can't appreciate joy until we've known sorrow. And I want to propose we can't experience God's mercy until we've faced our own ugliness and our own darkness of our inner world. Um, I was thinking about the one person today to, to preach to. And uh, I was thinking about suicide. And, sorry, I wrote this down. I can't read my writing. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about suicide. And I, it's one of the most vicious, uh, nefarious thieves to that prowls across the earth. This spirit of suicide. Because uh, what happens with, with suicide, it places desire on top of a thought. It's these, it has these two attacks. It places this thought about your identity and your, your worthlessness, but then it places a desire to do something about it. Vicious. Um, the thought comes, but then the compulsion to do something comes. And I'm reading more and more, trying to understand why good people and godly people, full of the Holy Spirit, Full of, this free, full of this forgiveness, this love, can be gripped by this spirit. And um, I, I want to just say, if you're that one person t today, if you're in that battle, I was in that battle. Many of us here have been in that battle. And I'm believing that God and will bring freedom and beauty to your story. I felt like God was saying he's, he wants to bring freedom and beauty to your story. You're 100% loved, 100% forgiven. And I want to say to you, you matter. I'm going to look just everyone here if I can. You matter. You matter. You matter. Every one of you, you matter. You really matter. Every single person here matters to God. <laughs> it was much easier when there was 20 of us. Like when we first, when we first started, there was just 20 of us. Was, that, that, would have done, that would have been a lot quicker. You really matter. And what I want to propose, what I want to propose is that that um, suicide is not your God-given nature. It wants to destroy your life, and the very thought of it comes from the devil. And so I, I have some friends, we have some great pastors and on our staff and leadership team who, who again, want to stand with you, listen to you, pray with you. So I want to say, do give me a call at the office, or do speak to Holly and Elias, sir. Uh, Side pastors here at Battersea. Your future, oh, I just, this morning I was praying for you, your future is firmly secured and it's beautiful. It's really beautiful.
Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're in the business of bringing beauty from ashes, joy for mourning, praise for heaviness. And again, I just release your beauty across the room in different forms. We say, come Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to pray a prayer, just go with me. I break the spirit of suicide across minds right now. I command it to go back to where it, where it belongs, in the pit of hell. You do not belong in, in any of these people here. And with suicide, I break all depression, all anxiety, all loneliness. And Jesus, I thank you that you, you just declare and your, your eyes are amazing, the way you look at you, the way you look at me, the way you look at them. Your eyes are really full of love. And I command right now the fiery eyes of Jesus to burn all suicidal thoughts, all depression right now. I love the phrase, you were crowned with beauty. I pray for some of us, our minds will now have crowns on top of their heads. Beauty, Jesus. Thank you, God. We're just going to have a time of singing and worshipping. Do stay there if you want to just continue to receive. Otherwise, you're welcome to stand and sing before a mighty God. So uh, let's worship God together. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.